1: Live from everywhere,
2: USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with your main man Jimmy Fallon, a guy who did not go on the View yesterday. No. Tim Scott, South Carolina senator, Republican nominee for the presidency, sat down with Whoopi and the girls. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I got to be honest, I actually thought it was a genius move for Tim Scott to go on The View. The View was awful. Maybe so, but I will explain why with the help of Newt Gingrich, who's going to join us in studio today. We're also going to have Brian Brenberg. Emily Campagno will be in the house as well as your fine self. All your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons, welcome in this radio house of ill repute. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You're all welcome. You could be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, be an independent. All we ever ask is that you don't be a. There it is. Happy Tuesday. Uh, I was on Fox and Friends this morning, bright and early. Uh, With the great Brian Kilmeade, if you missed the hit, it is on the Fox Across America website, foxacrossamerica.com. Tonight, uh, I will be getting the band back together with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, the king of late night. Uh, I'll be on that show tonight at 11 o'clock. You can also see me on Waters World with Jesse Waters at 7.50 p.m. on the East Coast. But we begin, of course, with a little you and me time on Uh, D-Day. D-Day is, of course, a seminal day in the Fela House because we grew up in Levittown which was, of course, the biggest World War II settlement for American G.I.s returning home from the war. It was, in a lot of ways, America's first suburb. And uh, we were taught to cherish and be thankful uh, for everything uh, those brave boys did when they stormed the beach at Normandy. Freedom! So D-Day to me is a day of great reverence and a day of great thanks. And, of course, this show will be devoted to the troops And I just want to make that clear because I know on the Democratic side, uh, they do consider D-Day the day when AOC got her report cards. AOC is a dope. Oh, that was a chippy one. Buckle up, kids. Going to get peppy today. Uh, And it certainly did yesterday on The View. So let's start there. Tim Scott was in our building here at Fox a little while ago. He was on America's Newsroom. uh, And I ran into him. Oddly enough, we just had a really funny elevator ride while he was on his way up to America's Newsroom. Uh, We talked about a lot of things, none of which was his appearance on The View. You know, I like to give you guys insider trading information when I can. Like, it's funny. The guy making all the headlines, you're just in an elevator with him. And, of course, I didn't bring up the one thing everybody's talking about. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Well, the problem is I have a brain, but it's programmed like a regular human being. I don't walk around like a news reporter. I'm just a guy. So I get into the elevator. He's a Cowboys fan. So immediately I'm like, is anybody going to sign Zeke Elliott? He's the running back they cut. And he and I just started talking about the Cowboys with a security detail instead of going after the breaking news. And that's why I am a guy appearing on all of these late night TV shows telling jokes and not one of those reporters they go to on the scene. Uh, I went to community college. I majored in Intro to Xbox, and I'm pretty sure Fox realizes uh, where my lane happens to be. That's true. That is true. And if they don't, they do now. But let's start talking about Tim Scott, and let me explain why Tim Scott gets such vicious blowback from the left. It's no different than, say, a Byron Donalds, any other black conservative out there. I mean, Ben Carson it's my favorite story in the world. Ben Carson was a brain surgeon. And the Democrats called him stupid. Like his job was a literal euphemism for intelligence. Well, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure it out. Ben Carson was a brain surgeon. And those mighty, empowering, support-the-minority-community Democrats called Ben Carson a dope. Democrats are so full of crap. Of course. But why is their worst language always reserved for black conservatives. Larry Elder was famously called, if you remember this, the the black face of white supremacy. What the hell did you just say? It's not what I said, that's what Gavin Newsom's surrogate said. They called Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy when Nikki Haley launched her candidacy. What did they say? She was using her brown skin to launder White supremacy. That's what they said. Okay, and understand, why did they say that? Why do they hate black conservatives so much? Because the entire Democratic grift hinges on convincing minorities that they can't do it themselves. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's the whole grift. The whole grift is you cannot do it. This is an oppressive country. Okay, America was founded in an era of institutionalized slavery. Sure, they say it went away, but it didn't really go away. That's the whole hook, that we're so racist, you can't even see it anymore.
1: Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked
2: up here. It's amazing, the grift. Okay, but that is the grift, that, oh, we're racist. And that's what they want you to believe, their entire ethos hinges on their ability to convince minority voters they can't do it without the government's help because it's an oppressive country. And they trot out one black millionaire after another to sell the message. That's the part of this that's so absurd, okay? You know, you got Michelle Obama sitting in Martha's Vineyard during the 2020 DNC. She's in a $30 million mansion with a private runway telling you this is a society that's not fair to black women. Clown stuff. Okay, you got the view. Literally telling Tim Scott, he's the exception. I'm like, dude, you're on a TV set where six there were six people on the set yesterday. Six people. Three of them are black. All of them are millionaires. Okay, and they're sitting there telling you that this is an oppressive country and successful black people are an anomaly. They are an exception. Has anyone looked around America in the last 75 years? Because if you have, there's no way you could make that statement with a straight face. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. There is no way. Okay, as Tim Scott sat there and made the case yesterday, I'll give you some of his clips first. But all he's doing is unpacking the grift. So they'll tell you, oh, he's he's dumb, he's MAGA, he doesn't care. Tim Scott is everything that's great about this country, whether he's the next president or not, whether he's the vice president or not. doesn't matter, okay? He's everything that this country promises. Okay, which is a land of opportunity where anyone can truly be anything. Okay, Barack Obama's election was supposed to be the proof. We were supposed to turn the page on identity politics and playing the race card and everything in between because we had just elected a black president not once but twice with overwhelming support from white America. OK, and all America, to be clear, a man who was born into a mixed marriage in the late 50s at a time when his chances of being president in that society were infinitesimal. It was a physical impossibility for a black American to be the president of the United States when Barack Obama was born. Black Americans couldn't even sit at the same lunch counters as white Americans. So you understand Because of the sacrifice and protest of the civil rights era, something a lot of Democrats fought against, we got to an America where we blew past what we thought the barriers were when it comes to education, when it comes to employment, when it comes to sitting at the same lunch counter, and yes, when it comes to running the whole entire country. I promise you this. I am not a historian, I am not an expert on history or countries, but I promise you, there is not one white supremacist nation in the history of the earth that put the people they were oppressing in charge. I promise you, it's a thing. You can quote me on it, it's the one question, if you were gonna copy off me on a test, it's the one question I would tell you to copy me off on a test. White supremacist nations don't put black people in charge. You are correct, sir. But they still run with this because that's the grift. The grift is you can't do it without the government. I'm I'm telling you, you can't. Don't forget that we did. Forget that the guy next to me did. Forget that the girl across from me did. No, no, forget all that. Okay, think of actual progress in America. Okay, progress in America. In 1947, we had never had a black Major League Baseball before. We never had one, ever. Okay, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in the years since the major league baseball, the NBA, the NFL, all leagues that had no black representation are now a combined over eighty-three percent black. Okay, you can't be that that visible, okay, that omnipotent in an entertainment forum, okay, that generates tens of billion dollars a year in revenue if the country has a problem with your race. Okay, and if you want to look out to other aspects of showbiz and music, but more importantly, where the function should be is in running the government. Okay, there are so many minorities in positions of power in this country. Okay, are they on equal footing as white Americans? No, but on a percentile basis, based on the size of the population, everyone is being represented fairly adequately. Okay, and those numbers are only going to grow because this is the most tolerant and inclusive society in the world. But the idea that Tim Scott is running against the grift. He's a black man saying people can do it. Little boys and girls should know anybody can be anything. And the Democrats, literally old white ladies, are telling him to shut up. Okay, Joy Behar yesterday didn't even show up to the show. A week after lecturing him when he launched his campaign, you know, that, you know, trashing him about his understanding of what it is to be black. Listen to this clip. She didn't even show up after this clip. It's clip six.
3: He's one of these guys who, you know, he's like Clarence Thomas. Black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that African-Americans face in this country and other minorities. He doesn't get it. Neither does uh, Clarence. Right. And that's why they're Republicans. One of the issues that
2: You are so full of (laughs) (laughs) sh. And what is that? Joy Behar is an old white lady that wants black people to like her. They don't. Sonny hates her. Whoopi hates her. They don't talk to each other during commercial breaks. I mean, they hate each other. Like, if you were to go to a taping of The View, if by chance you hear them exchanging any chit-chat during the commercial break, it sounds like this. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. They hate each other. Oh, my goodness gracious. But Joy Behar has, has latched on to the trendy jargon. Systemic racism. Dude, we're systemically racist. There is no world where a system that's racist, a system that's racist, we're systemically racist. There's no world where a system that's racist puts the black people in charge.
1: He knows what he's talking about.
2: I'm just telling you, this is absurd. And Tim Scott knows that. So here he is calling out their message clip one. You have indicated that you don't
3: believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism?
4: Let me answer the uh, question that you've answered.
3: Or does it even exist in your mind?
4: Let me uh, answer the question this way. One of the things I think about, and one of the reasons why I'm on the show, is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send to our young people today, that the only way to succeed is by being... The exception. I will tell you that if my life is the exception, uh, I can't imagine. But, but I can't it it Im- is. But it's not, actually. Now, to be clear,
2: that's our audience cheering. That is not The View's audience cheering. The View's audience booed him. And to her credit, uh, Whoopi Goldberg did tell them we don't boo. But again, why did they boo him? They booed him because he is a black man telling this audience full of gassy, middle-aged white women... ...that they've been had. I admire your honesty. It's the truth, okay? He's a black man that refutes everything that's been programmed into their brain. This is a racist, systemic country! And they trot out one black millionaire after another to make the point. It's the craziest thing in the world. Okay, here's a little more Tim Scott, where he's just talking about how America and the changes that have been made in America.
4: Okay, this is clip four. So suggest,
5: America has met its
6: promise. No,
4: of course, the, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union. But in fact, the challenges that we faced 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's the way that you, you measured that. When my mother was born, about 10% of African-Americans got a high school degree, wow. diploma. Today, it's over 90%. When you look at the income, when you look at the income success that That's we've
7: had... That's HBCU stat.
4: Well listen, HBCUs app is a good okay. one because one of the reasons why I took the funding for HBCUs to the highest level in the history of the country, and then I helped make it permanent, is because I believe that education is the closest thing to magic in America. So I'm about making sure that our kids have as many opportunities to succeed as possible. It's one of the reasons why I need I an didn't...
3: opportunity
4: to well, succeed because I have to go to Brandon. Oh, they're big. Bra- they're they're,
3: they're they're, they're, we we'll I'm, I'm just getting started. I'm not
4: all people can see the success that I've
2: had. Tim Scott being silly there at the end. But what happened? He started making a substantive point supported by fact about the progress we've made on race in this country. What did they do? They went to commercial. That was embarrassing. Okay, why did they go to commercial? They don't want to have this conversation. You understand? The whole hook, the whole democratic ethos, this is all they got. OK, have they helped black America on crime? The answer would be no. Nope. Defund the police, sent the murder rate up by 30 percent in the black community. Have they helped black America on education? The answer would be no. No, not even close. In fact, they oppose school choice. Tim Scott just pointed out the unemployment numbers for black America when he was a kid and where they are now. There are historic lows. That's where they hit under Donald Trump. Lowest black unemployment rate ever. Okay, are the Democrats helping black America on the economy right now? The answer would be no. No, we have a record high 40 year of inflation and they're telling everybody to suck it up and stop eating meat because of climate change. That's the hook. The Democratic grift is about convincing black Americans and minorities that they're under attack from the right. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Exactly. And Democrats hate Tim Scott because he's letting the rest of the country stand behind the magician and see how this trick gets run over and over and over again in the name of black votes, but never in the name of black progress.
3: Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas.
1: It's the fastest part of your workday. Wow, you're pretty quick for a big guy. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
4: Can you imagine uh, an extreme liberal, an elitist telling me how to be a black man in America when she's a white lady who dresses up in blackface. I can't believe the hypocrisy that comes out of that show sometimes. It is the height of hypocrisy to suggest that I'm the exception when, in fact, their policy positions as a radical left creates a, st- a, st- a, sorry, a rule that simply says that in order for us to be successful, you have to go to a failing school. You have to stay in your place. You can't go up as high as you possibly can the ladder. You have to actually stay at the bottom. Literally, they're suggesting that the rule that they want keeps poor kids in failing schools, keeps minorities at the bottom of the ladder, and then they remove the rungs of the ladder to climb.
2: Funny, and it is so true. Fox Across America with your main man Jimmy Fallon. Joy Behar, famously wearing blackface... Lecturing Tim Scott about being a black man, do you realize this is what that show is comprised of? Joy Dopey people like Joy Behar. It's crazy. Okay, but this is what the left has become. They believe their own bullshit. They believe it now. That's the thing. No, no, you are oppressed. Guy who's been a congressman and a senator. No, no, you're the exception. Dude, look around the country. The Democrats want you to believe it's 1823. Why? Why? Come on, Jimmy. Tell us why. And the God's honest truth is because all of the progress we've made in this country since 1823 was opposed by their party. Oh,
7: wow.
2: Okay, Democrats want you to believe Republicans are racist. The Democrats are the one holding black America back on education. The Democrats are the one holding them back on crime. It ain't the Republicans. It's the people doing the woke stuff over there on the left.
5: Everything woke turns to
3: An old guy Has dementia Can't lead us And the country is screwed Tell some big lies Barely speaks English Sniffs children And their mom's hair too Goes the wrong way his speeches gets lost each day In the White House yard All the damn say That we should re-elect him How can he run When walking is hard And to
2: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And yes, Joe Biden keeps falling. Biden is such a disaster. It's one of the reasons why these Republican primaries are getting as heated as they are as early as they are. You know, traditionally, when they square off on the debate stage in August, August 23rd, right here on the Fox News channel, you'd expect. All right. These guys are in the ring. It's live ammo. Here we go. Uh, But it's gotten personal pretty early on in the race, and uh, it's only going to get uglier from here because they all know they're going to beat this guy. Biden, who famously fell again last week, he does keep falling, uh, that carries over to the polls. There are a lot of parallels between his ability to walk and his ability to poll. Okay, right now we're living in an America where 32 percent of the voters think he is mentally fit to serve. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I really want you to think about that, okay? It is so bananas to me that the only job in the world you could get in society, okay, if 32% of your employers thought you were mentally fit, the only job you can get is the presidency, okay? You would not hire a dog walker in your family, if 32% of you thought the guy was sane and the other 68% were like, oh, this guy's got a bit of a screw loose. I don't know if this is going gonna, gonna to end good for the dog. Ow, 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 ow. Okay, you wouldn't hire the guy. I mean, you think about it. If 10 of us ran a gas station and 70% of us thought the guy who came in to run the cashier had a screw loose, are we going to hire that guy and leave him and entrust him with the prosperity of our gas station? <laughs> No. But in America, that's exactly what we did. Okay, everyone thought Biden was gone on the last campaign. The idea that he'd have another one is why it's getting so venomous, not just on the right, but on the left. The reason they understand this: the Democrats can't win an election without the overwhelming support of minorities. If they don't carry 85 percent of the black vote. They lose the election. Tell them like it is. That's why they hate Tim Scott so much. That's why they're trying to ruin him. Okay, the goal is not to stop him from being president. It's to stop him from being anything. Okay, they're coming at Tim Scott so hard right now because they don't even want him to be VP. Okay, they want him nowhere near this conversation. They do not want a prominent black face on the Republican ticket telling the truth about life in the most tolerant and inclusive society in the world. Okay, they don't want that. They can't have that. So they're trying to destroy him right now. Right now. mundo. Okay, they may get some help from some of our callers. Let's go to the phones. Cliff is up in Waterbury, Connecticut. Yo, Cliff. Jimmy, what's up? My man. We're doing it, Cliff. It. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Well, I'm you. black.
8: Uh, I know. And,
2: uh, I love it.
8: Yeah, how do how, how you tell? How can you tell? <laughs> well, anyway, you actually took Let to the point, man. Listen. Mm-hmm. I got my finger on the pulse in the black community. Black Republicans don't even want Uncle Tim.
2: You stop that. You can't call him Uncle Tim. Get it together. I do not allow you those privileges. Now, listen to me. Okay. It's a no. It's Uh, why is he Uncle Tim? Explain to me. Yeah,
8: because of the fact that, man, you know, he just he just he he just he's not black enough. Let me ask you this
2: when he got 70, because you know, I love you, buddy. So let's have some real you and me talk. When he got uh, when he got. $75 $75 billion in opportunity zones for black American neighborhoods. Was that not black enough?
8: Well, man, Trump, according to the black Chicagoans, Trump has done a whole lot more
2: with this platinum plan. How is Tim but Scott the platinum that just, plan didn't get enacted. The platinum plan didn't get enacted. The platinum plan was something no, still, that was floated was good, and good, my man yeah. Ice Cube discussed, O'Shea Jackson. Tim Scott, right, again, yeah. was the guy who pushed Trump. Now, listen, Trump deserves credit. He was the president, so I'm not trying to take it away from Trump. But what I'm saying is Tim Scott's message is— is so lethal because he's telling the truth. You could be anything as a black American. Do you really believe in this day and age? Uh, this is a society that's out to get you.
8: Listen, all I'm all I'm saying mm-hmm. is that even even black Democrats mm-hmm. are really starting to pull away from Joe Biden because number one, they want to be they want America to be tough on crime because mm-hmm. there's so much crime in the black community. They want to they want to be tougher on crime, and then immigration in these six and w- 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 things cities mm. they want these immigrants out chicago's new york and, I'm A- and you're in new york right yep you know so you got the mayor right adams mm-hmm. they want these immigrants out and so the black community republicans and democrats they're like kind of going for trump because well... trump man has always pushed that agenda and so and then DeSantis, the number two guy, that's the ticket right there. Everybody knows that. But they so hate Tim each other. Scott, he could be the driver for, for Trump. You know what I mean? Once Trump gets elected. Do you think well, Trump and DeSantis? For Trump? I mean, who's going to vote for this guy?
2: Well, listen. the thing. Know, Tim Scott. Well, here's the thing. Right now, according to the polls, nobody. Right now, Trump has a, Thank you. a monopoly on the Republican primary. But the problem in the general election is you can't win it without getting some Democrats, without getting some independents, and they hate Trump. That's the issue. Whoever, really the Republican, whoever the Republican nominee is is going to get called a racist. It's a little harder to call Tim Scott a racist, don't you think?
8: Sure, exactly. That's my point. Tim Scott's a nobody. You but, know what I mean? Nobody's going nobody's to vote for him. Nobody, nobody's going to vote for him. But what are the you basically— a matter of fact, mm-hmm. let me end with this. Mm-hmm. You know the uh, Bill Cosby cartoon, Mushmouth, the Le- character? T- I you got to look him up. Yeah, go ahead. You got to look him up, man, and see if Tim Scott doesn't look like this guy.
2: Well, listen, I don't, I don't mind you quoting Bill Cosby on the show. Just don't share any of his drink recipes on the show, okay?
8: <laughs> hey, look at the cartoon.
2: I don't tell me this guy looks like Mushmouth. Right, I'll, I'll go do my homework. Good talk, Cliff. There you go, my man. <laughs> there he goes. The great Cliff taking shots. Taking shots at Tim Scott. Get him out of here. Get him out. I kid, Cliff. I don't listen to me. Let's be very clear. If a Republican nominee, if the nomination was, you know, we were voting today, which we don't vote nationally. We vote on a state-by-state basis. But in any of these states that matter, Trump would win the nomination right now. Okay, just the same as in 2016, Trump would have lost the nomination but went on to ultimately win it. There's no question that Tim Scott lacks the name recognition of Trump because everyone in America does. But so does Ron DeSantis. And Tim Scott, yes lacks the name recognition of even a Ron DeSantis. But Tim Scott having the most viable storyline and being perhaps the best thing that could come along for the country is why you can't discount him because if somebody who actually roots for the good in things, okay, there would be nothing better for this country, nothing, than getting us past this endless conversation about race. Do you understand? We have made so much progress on race that we're now creating... Racism. What I mean by creating racism is we're now going after things that have no tangible effect on anybody's life. Okay. Do you think when we canceled the Aunt Jemima syrup logo, it improved the quality of anybody's education or crime stats? The answer would be no. The tangible things that are affecting us, making money and keeping ourselves safe okay, are what drive the quality of life in America. Do you think pulling Mrs. Butterworth off a syrup bottle helped crime or education? The answer would be no. All right, all right, so we're 0 for 2, but let's not give up yet. If you go 1 for 3... Still a good batting average in baseball. You're hitting three you You're on the way to the batting title. Okay. Let's see if we can go one for three. We canceled Uncle Ben's rice. That was the third tangible change that went into effect as a result of the summer of 2020. Did taking Uncle Ben off the rice box improve crime, education, the economy? The answer would be no. No, we went 0 for three. Okay. We're fighting all the wrong pretend battles now. Okay, they want you to tell you something like, sending the wrong colored emoji is racism. If you're white, you shouldn't send a black emoji. Okay, to be clear, emojis aren't real people, number one. Number two, okay, this is a country that went from slavery, something we actually fought a civil war in which over a half a million million Americans were willing to die to end. Okay, we went from that to a nation where black people were no longer enslaved, they were running this country at the highest levels of government. Okay, we had a black president in the Democratic Party, we have a guy now who's attempting to be a black president in the Republican Party, and everybody's telling him not even to bother because we're so racist. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, didn't we just have a black president? I think he's got a point. Okay, we're living in a pretend world. Tim Scott grew up in an America where the black unemployment rate was over 15%, okay, where the percentage of black homeownership was below 50%, okay, where the a number of black people at the time his mother gave birth to him getting a high school diploma was 10%, it's now 90%. There is tangible progress, okay? We, people were eating at separate lunch counters. They weren't allowed to work in the same spaces. They weren't allowed to attend the same schools, Okay, we have overcome all of that and made monumental progress. The America we're living in now, okay, stacks up better as a land of equal opportunity than any other country on the planet of Earth. That's where we live. That's the truth. Like those are the numbers. Those are the stats. That's how the game works. But the conversation we're having endlessly, it is a hamster wheel of pretend oppression. Okay, it's very viable for politicians trying to get votes. It's very viable in the summer of 2020. Okay, but the votes mattered more than the lives. Look at Black Lives Matter. Okay, BLM, of course, now stands for Buy Large Mansions. Oh, because what did they do with all of that money? $93 million they raised. $93 million. Did any of it go to helping the black community? Well, technically, it did, actually, because Patricia Cullors, one of the leaders of BLM, bought herself a nice mansion in Brentwood, also put her brother on the payroll for $1.6 million. And then when they were asked for an accounting of the money they took in, what did they say? We don't have the forms. We can't find it. Okay, Black Lives Matter absconded all of that money. There's no criminal defense fund. There's no scholarship fund. There's no advocacy dollars. There's no reinvesting it in education for the black community. It was a scam. But every single corporation that donated isn't asking for their money back. Every Democrat who piggybacked off of this isn't asking for their money back, nor are they asking for results for the money they donated. They donated that money in the name of political branding. This is the Democratic playbook. Tell people they're under attack. Say we're going to save them. All we need you to do is fill up the collection plate. Please give us money. Folks, that's the grift. Whether it's climate change, whether it's racism, that's how this works. The bad guys are coming to get you. The Republicans, they're racist. Joe Biden says they're going to put you back in chains. Please give us money. That's how it works. Oh, the climate's bad. We're all going to die. Please give us money. Okay, but does anyone actually get progress after all of those donations? The answer would be no. Tim Scott is a guy whose election as VP, as president, whatever the hell it is, could help move us past race, okay? Kamala Harris, again, weapons-grade stupid as a person, okay, with a really, really difficult laugh that just reeks of inauthenticity, (laughs) Okay, a woman polling at 1% when she ran for the presidency and dropped out before the vote started being cast in the Democratic primary is still the vice president of the United States. That is, again— Tim Scott was born into an America where black people couldn't sit at the same lunch counter as white people. Believe me, we've made progress if we're not only electing black Americans to run the country, but stupid ones, too. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. So the reason everyone listening would be wrong to dismiss him, okay, is because if you care about this country and moving us out of this endless hamster wheel of pretend racism, it is going to take a transformative person to do it. Trump can't do it. It's baked into the cake. They call him a racist at every turn. Do I believe he's a racist? Of course not. Not even a little. Not even kinda. Okay? Ron DeSantis, not a racist. Not a homophobe. Not a transphobe. But they can still make those attacks stick. And I'm not here to tell you they won't stick to Tim Scott because they're going to throw everything they have at him known to man. But they don't need any help from the Republicans, and the Republicans are giving it to them right now because everybody is so deeply entrenched in, uh, I'm voting for this guy. Screw that guy. It's DeSantis. He's disloyal or whatever the hell it is. Or Screw Trump or screw Scott. Folks, these guys haven't even gotten onto a debate stage yet. You haven't even been able to compare and contrast. I mean, really think about that, Okay. You've got to be able to see the Carfax on all of these candidates. You've got to be able to see them compare and contrast. And you've got to let the world continue to turn because they say, you know, overnight's a lifetime in politics. Okay, well, we've got nearly a year before we start casting ballots, maybe seven months. Okay, that's a lot of overnights. That's a lot of lifetimes. And again, my job will never be to tell you who to vote for. But I will tell you the truth about what what each candidate represents to the country. Okay, Trump wins. That's great. Because he takes it as proof that 2020 was stolen. He's running in 2024 because he takes a victory as validation of his effort in 2020. And a lot of people support that. That's fine. But he goes into office as a lame duck president. He can't make any fundamental changes to the country. Ron DeSantis goes in as a guy with the potential to serve two terms. Tim Scott goes in with the potential to serve two terms. Okay. I think either of them would be consequentially better for the country than Biden is because he just happens to be terrible. I agree with that. But I think as this thing continues to shake out, What you've got to start thinking towards is how we change the country, how we move the ball forward, not how we give the middle finger to our political enemies. Okay, that's how we wound up with Joe Biden in the first place. Joe Biden was there because Democrats hated Republicans and Donald Trump so much they were literally willing to elect anybody, including a guy who didn't even campaign. Biden had the public appearance schedule of a groundhog, and they still stuck him into the Oval Office just because they needed to give you the finger. I promise you, it's a good way to win elections. It's a better way to destroy a country. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit.
1: He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help.
9: We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right.
1: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
2: It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. We're under a minute, so we'll get to the rest of the calls in the next hour. You guys are holding on. We will get to you. Remember Wilson Phillips? Hold on. Just hold on. Not for one more day, as they sang, but for one more break. Emily Campagna is coming up in the next hour. We're also going to be joined in studio by Newt Gingrich. And he's going to give us an assessment of the 2024 race. He's been pretty pro-Trump in his assessments so far. I think Nude has his money on the Trump man. We'll find out who you guys are taking early on. Uh, but I can just tell you, whatever direction this goes in, it's going to get really ugly, really ugly. Like, whoever wins this thing, Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Kanye, the guy I voted for, you know, it doesn't matter. Okay, they are going to go through a hell of a scrum to pull this thing off. Because they all want the nomination because they know the guy they're going up against absolutely sucks. That's the truth.
1: Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
2: Oh, yes, it sure is. We are fired up. We got a big hour coming up on this show. Newt Gingrich is going to be here, former Speaker of the House, author of a fantastic New book. It is called March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. This, of course, pertains to the mid 90s. But Uncle Nudy is going to give us a blueprint on how the Republicans can do it again, because according to him, uh, the guys in running the government right now need a little
9: help. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing.
2: Uh, Mr. Trump, not the only one who feels that way. If you look at the confidence people have in our government right now uh there isn't much to look at
5: government is not
2: the solution to our problem government is the problem exactly that's why when we get on this show yes i am a conservative all of my views are pretty much conservative but i'm not sitting here trying to make people vote the way i want them to i'm sitting here trying to get this country back to a place where we realize the government's supposed to work for us They don't work for us anymore. My job is to call them out on it. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Maybe so. But the point is, okay, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, anything in between, okay? People in Washington that are trampling us right now, spending us into oblivion. We're $32 trillion in debt, committing us to wars all over the world, wars we're not even allowed to question the spending on. What are you, a Putin puppet? Get out of here, okay? Meanwhile, back at the ranch— Okay, we're firing all this money off to Ukraine, but we can't get an accounting for what we're sending and why. And it doesn't mean we support Putin, but it means the bureaucrats running this country are brazenly just flipping us off. We have not we don't have the say anymore. Because when they turn to politics up to 11. It's now so hyper-partisan, it's become more important to beat the political opposite than it is to actually help the country flourish. We have now taken politics and transformed it into two children fighting over who gets to play with the toy. And they're both tugging so hard that we're moments away from watching the entire toy break. When you're right, you're right. and You're right. So that's where I try to get on the air and be like, hey, by the way, The way we're doing this right now, it doesn't work. That's the point I'm trying to make day in and day out is take the edge off a little bit and realize that, yeah, you might have staunch disagreements with people on policy, but they're not the enemy. Okay, the guy that wants to stick his son in a tuck friendly bathing suit, you may think he's a weirdo. Okay, but he's not actually your enemy. Okay, it's the guy in Washington, it's the guys running these big investment firms, pushing all this EAG crap on us, that are actually getting us into these messes. So that's what we're trying to call out on this show. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. Let them. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you want to weigh in. We started the show talking about Tim Scott on The View. Uh, We took a couple of calls on that. I do think Alex wants to round that discussion out, and then we'll move on. Alex!
8: Hey, Jimmy, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, you know, the view they say that uh, Tim Scott is an exception to the rule. And it's true, but not in the way they mean it, because the difference between Tim Scott and most black people in the country is that Tim Scott is a Republican. And so it's not like, oh, he had a certain circumstance where he was able to be successful,
9: but other black people aren't able to be successful.
8: Any black person in the country, if they work as hard as anybody else, they can be successful. Unless you're a Democrat and you get brainwashed by Democratic politicians that want you to vote for them. And activists in the black communities that make money in Democratic states and cities, that's where we have all the problems. That's where we see poverty. We don't see that in Republican states and cities where we have black communities. We see the crime in the Democratic states and
2: cities because they say, hey, give up. Don't try to be successful. You won't be able to make it. Tim Scott is an exception. Yep. They keep keep selling. It's like defeatism. Instead of yes, we can. Obama ran on yes, we can. The current Democratic ethos is no, we can't. Nope, can't do it. It's a racist country. It's so crazy. It's stupid, but it's the message they're running with, so wish him luck. Uh, Alex, great call as always. We'll do it again, brother. Thank you. Another funny point uh, that came up earlier, and I'm just going to deal you into some inside baseball in my house. One of our favorite pastimes between Lincoln and myself is we impersonate Stephen A. Smith. Do you know Stephen A. Smith from ESPN? He's always yelling and screaming. He's very performative. He's always over-emoting when it comes to his assessments of the NBA. Well, Lincoln and I frequently speak to each other as Stephen A. Smith. And we'll be parroting, you know, rants he's gone on about the Knicks or the Dallas Cowboys or something in between. So it's a funny pastime. And I met Stephen A. Smith when he and I were doing Hannity together a few weeks back. And uh, he was a cool dude. We had a funny time in the green room. We talked sports. We had a lot of laughs. And he was Stephen A. Smith. He's exactly what you'd expect him to be, which is an opinionated guy who doesn't feel like he owes you an apology for the positions that he takes. Now, I call this out. Why? Because Stephen A. Smith weighed in yesterday on the stage. Of Joe Biden. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. And to be clear, uh, he is in trouble, not because of this take. Uh, And to be clearer, uh, Stephen A. Smith actually weighed in. It was Friday on his podcast and it's now making the rounds. But it's him talking about Biden and whether or not he thinks he is cognitively fit for another term in office. Clip 14.
9: Without trying to engage in any kind of ageism at all, because I don't believe in it. There does come a point in time where there are certain jobs you don't need. It's not that you don't need to be working. It's not that you don't need to be living your life. It's not that you don't need to be living a very vibrant lifestyle or anything like that. But there are responsibilities that are far, far, far more extensive than, let's say, the typical nine to five that somebody in their 80s may not need to be doing. I think the presidency is one of them. I do. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and what is he saying about Biden?
9: This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup.
2: Didn't say he's a bad man, although i got to be honest with you, him and his family. Whew, dirtbags. The Biden family man, they could actually populate an entire series for the late, great Jerry Springer. Like when you really think about the things that have gone on. Hunter is having an affair with his brother's widow and impregnates a stripper. On the side, behind her back.
8: Oh, yes. I've read about
2: that in the Bible. But you think about that. Now, the Bidens won't talk to Hunter's grandson. Well, to Hunter's son, which is their grandson.
4: That's just how white folks will do you.
2: Think about it. Is that not a Springer episode? I was banging my brother's widow, and the stripper I knocked up behind her back now has a baby that my parents won't talk to. Next! On the Jerry Springer Show. Hunter's a dirtbag. They're a Springer family, but getting past that. Okay, Joe Biden is not fit to serve. He wasn't fit to serve in the first term. You've never seen a president bubble-wrapped the way this one has. I mean, they are playing a prevent defense, and he doesn't even have the cognitive wherewithal To play along with the charade, meaning when they give him a list of reporters to call on first, it's not so he can read it out loud and go, I've got a list of reporters I'm supposed to call on first. Not even close. Yeah, he's not supposed to do that. (laughs) They're giving him the list and saying, now go around the room, honey. Grandpa, do you want your pudding cup? I will hit you with this hose. You go around the room. You read off the list, make it look like a press conference. Come on, man. But he doesn't even have the wherewithal to get out there and do that. So he keeps reading his stage direction. Oh, they gave me a list of people I'm supposed to call on. Let me see who it is. And then he has a note card that gives him the answers. You got to do better than that. Really think about this. I was on with Harris Faulkner last night on Fox News Tonight. Close the show. It was The big closer. It was the Mariana Rivera. Hey, girl. OK, and we were talking about the fact that there's this New York Times expose that explains the White House staff is adjusting the president's schedule because he seems to have a lot of cognitive lapses in the evening. So they don't let him do public facing events in the evening unless they absolutely have to shoot him up with the highest dosage of B12 allowable by law. But basically, the article says they can find his public work schedule between noon and four. We have a president. Whose presidency is his side hustle, you understand? He's working noon to four. Remember the Dolly Parton song? It's now working noon to four. <laughs> what a way to wreck the country. That's Biden. He's wrecking the country from noon to four. But while the White House staff has the luxury of announcing a new schedule change and catering to his abilities, do you understand who's not going to accommodate that reduced workload? Our enemies. Okay, China is not going to say, well, listen, we need to invade Taiwan between the hours of noon and four. Okay, because, you know, the president, he sleeps a lot. He's got to watch a little bonanza. He wants that pudding cup. Okay, that's not how the real world works. And the fact that the media isn't this calling out more aggressively is happening at the detriment to all of us. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. You think about it. The New York Times got out there and told you this, you know, in this piece, no, no, this guy's sharp as a tack is what he is. You're not telling me the truth. Not even a little bit. No, he's spry, he exercises, he rides a bike. It doesn't always end well when he does ride that bike. But isn't that a metaphor for the whole country? Okay, the guy is a disaster right now. Just an absolute disaster. Okay, we've got an FBI whistleblower deal now where the FBI says, well, you could let the whistleblower come out, but we can't promise you he's going to live. Like, wait, what? What's going on here? Okay, because they're trying to protect this document that James Comer has subpoenaed. Christopher Ray has defied the subpoena. They're now filing motions to hold him in contempt this Thursday. But have you ever seen a more brazen disregard for the will of the people than the one we're being shown in Washington right now? Okay, not only did the FBI not protect, you know, respect us, not only has the DOJ been, you know, in a lot of instances used to target the Democrats political enemies. Okay, but the DOJ isn't even cooperating with Congress. The FBI isn't even cooperating with Congress. When I say we're in this perpetual childlike fight for control of the toy that's ultimately ripping the toy, like we're watching it go on in real time. That's why you have to get to a place as an American who not only consumes this show, lives in this country, where you realize you would help more by taking the edge off and getting all the cool people to find each other again, as opposed to just screaming out loud at the top of your lungs that the people who don't agree with you are idiots. Are the people who don't agree with you idiots? A lot of them probably are. Okay, but the truth is the only way we're ever going to get progress is if we start making some of them our teammates – and going after the real enemy, which is the people in Washington that are selling out this country.
5: You're absolutely right.
2: A show
1: so good, it moves the stock market.
8: The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks.
1: This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
2: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I frequently describe this guest as a stray cat we fed once and she keeps coming back. But it's inaccurate because the cat brings her own food every time she shows up to the studio. Co-host of Outnumbered Host of the Fox True Crime Podcast, Emily Campagna in the house, meow.
10: And by stray cat, you mean tiger.
2: (laughs) Tiger. Like one of those white tigers that attacks the magician at the end of the show.
10: Yeah, that you're so stoked that you saw it. You're welcome, because they're a rare breed. You are welcome for this safari sighting.
2: We're now at the mirage, Jimmy Emily. I am I am I'm Siegfried and Roy Roy Rogers, Siegfried and Roy Rogers, the fast food chain. And I do believe it was Wah, but no one comes to my show for pre- pretentious pronunciations. You know what I'm saying, Em?
10: I had the honor one time of sharing a meal with one of the VPs of the. MGM yeah he told me this crazy backyard story about Siegfried and Roy and keeping the tigers in those cages like at that they had these like living Uh areas for humans and for the tigers and they were getting this tour and this guy you know he said I I saw the tigers and you're kind of like eh you know I like made eye contact and he said the tiger went and he was like he's a better storyteller than I everyone is (laughs) but he said you know, he at that he's six four, you know, but he's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I have never felt fear like I did in that moment. And I knew there was a cage between us. Those animals are, yeah, yeah. I mean, beyond human comprehension of it, the potential fatality at all times, as was it Siegfried yeah, learned?
2: Yeah, one of them got roughed up. Yeah. But the deal well, he is. he said yeah. he was
10: protecting him at the time, that the, the cat was. If
2: the tiger has a problem, you have a problem. That's right. You know what I mean? That should
10: be a shirt that I wear all the time.
2: Which brings us to Carol Baskin's husband. I'm kidding. That was the guy on (laughs) Tiger King. My thing about Tiger King, if you go back and watch it now, okay, she was being accused of putting sardine oil on the husband to have the cats eat him. Oh, my God. But if you watch enough Carol Baskin interviews, you start to believe the husband might have put the sardine oil on himself. You know what I mean? Let me just get out of here.
10: Well, I, I actually have a confession. I've never seen it one time. Oh, but I, I love sardines. You know I eat anchovies all the time, which are two <laughs> t- different fish technically. But So, I mean, I guess I would be a little appetizing morsel for them if they uh-huh. can smell my, my tummy. But, uh, yeah, I never saw it, man. and not, uh, not even one minute of it.
2: Wow, one of the great Emmy snubs of our time. I kid. It was you know, ridiculousness. <laughs> but the point is, uh, Tiger King involved an alleged murder plot, uh, which – Uh, Which plot, which murder, which tragedy are we covering uh, right now on this show that does focus heavily on comedy? Go ahead and bring down the mood. What do you got this Such week? Such a great segue. All <laughs> right, so
10: guys, you know I host the Fox True Crime Podcast. Every week, new episodes are released on Tuesdays. And this week's is awesome. So it's the attempted assassination of President Ronald Reagan. Whoa. Here's what's so awesome. At the Hinkley Hilton. Hilton. Which I Boom. said in the episode. Just I was there. like, me and Jimmy stay there all the time. Exactly. So separately. So the interviewee is my good bud, Former United States Secret Service supervisory agent, presidential detail, Jeff James. And not only did he have a storied career as presidential secret service of the head guy in charge of all the details of all the presidential detail guys, uh, he protected presidents from Clinton through Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also Hinckley's case manager. Whoa. So that meant that after Hinckley was essentially not even at club fed, yeah. he was at like a rest home. He, he would go bowling. He would go to the he would go movies. Jeff James, then Presidential Detail Secret Service agent, was his case agent, so he would accompany him. The level of detail, the level of rich storytelling that Jeff tells us this this week is incredible. Never before heard stories, his perspective, the details of not only John Hinckley Jr., um, the horrible events of that day, Secret Service tactics and strategies, how it changed things that they do moving forward. Everything you think you know about this, believe me, you will learn something new, and it is so great. So the Fox True Crime podcast, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you'll find it.
2: It's so funny. Emily Campagno is in studio. We're talking about the Fox News True Crime podcast, as she just so eloquently stated, while you were covering the attempted assassination of Reagan. You know what I was doing Saturday? I was at his boyhood home. No way. Yeah, it was in Dixon, and we were hanging out on the way to Davenport, Iowa. We just saw, like, a sign. It was like, home birthplace of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess we're pulling over. That's the <laughs> kind of Americana you got to go track down, no? Well, 100%. They could have, And in me. that voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's actually how I picture sign <laughs> announcers in my head. Birthplace of Ronald Reagan. And uh, we made a hard right, and we went to Ronald Reagan's boyhood home in Dixon. Was he born,
10: like... That you you can
2: go to not only the place of birth, but his family moved to five different homes in that area Hmm. over the course of time. They moved a lot, but you can see his high school and his elementary school. And the home we're at where they actually have the museum is where he lived from like ages nine to 12 and then continued to move. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of Reagan, like he made the rounds. He was like a grateful deadhead. kind of. They were just like going to see stuff. But no, they they were doing things. But it's a crazy story. But it's wild that while I was doing that, you were covering the other end of his life, which I think is fascinating. And that hotel has a little plaque when you go... To the actual Hinckley Hilton. They have a plaque that shows you the entrance he came out of and where he was shot. It's pretty intense.
10: And that entrance after the JFK assassination, they specifically created what they called the presidential walk from Hinkley, from yes. that the then Washington Hilton, mm-hmm. uh, for that purpose. So filled with so much anecdotes and facts, including how it changed the law. It didn't just change yep. Secret Service to this day, uh-huh. um, what they do and everything. It's just – it's so much, you guys. It's like literally everyone has to watch this with popcorn and your families.
2: No, I consider this a must-watch, a must-listen. Yeah, did that sound sincere? I've been rehearsing it for like an hour during the commercial breaks. No no, it's gonna be I actually think it's gonna be great. You might I'm actually excited. learn something. You learn might actually for learn once something. Once in your life for once. Just give it a listen. Fat Did idiot. Kill
10: you to know a fact? <laughs> <laughs> kill you? Emily, Just one. Emily
2: Campano. Get uh, her out. Get her out of here. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. and if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. Joining us now not only to discuss his killer new book, but to possibly put in a bid at the yard sale we're having here on our recording table, Uh former Speaker of the House, the author of March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. I am talking about the man, the myth, the legend. Newt Gingrich is here in the crowd goes wild. Hello, sir.
5: It's great to be with you. Uh, this is, by the way, a wild table.
2: <laughs> Listen, everyone—you know—has concerns. Everyone has a different reaction to this. Yes. Okay, what it's really doing here is these are toys of my youth, as you would imagine. Uh, this is my New York City taxi license, which I was told by Fox to keep here as a reminder to kind of keep this, you know, train on the rails. Okay. heaven forbid we go off the rails. I might be driving one of these yellow cabs instead of one of these radio shows. Uh, but the toys themselves, this is Vintage My Life, Jimmy Falla, Long Island, Levittown, New York, late 80s, mid 80s. Okay. So some of these might not be familiar, but the Millennium Falcon you would know, right? So did, did you keep these or did you have to go back and find them? Oh, no, no. I definitely kept them. Uh, my brother had a few. But I was one of those guys who fortunately hung on to them because there are a lot of guys you know that go out now and try That's to right. rebuy the toys. You know, guys in their 50s buying toys from their – you know, they, they have a word for those guys. They're called losers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 Get your life together. But you're, you, you're familiar with the Millennium yeah, Falcon, right? I mean in the new Star Wars actually, the left suspends the star because it's not electric. They don't actually get away. (laughs) They're like, it's a high emissions vehicle. We can't have you flee. But no, I wanted to get right into it on your book, and I thank you for giving me a minute. March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. It's available everywhere now. I saw you discussing it today on Fox and Friends. I have so many questions about the book, and I have so many questions about the overlap between the march, okay, that you guys pulled off uh, in the 90s, 94, and what we're seeing today. Are you? Are there any reminders? Or is there anything going on with this current incarnation of the Republican Party that gives you hope that we could be watching a sequel, or do you feel like the bench is still a little too thin?
5: No, I mean, I, frankly, the reason I wrote March the Majority is I do think that there are some real parallels, mm-hmm. and I think that what Speaker McCarthy's done so far fits very much into the March the Majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he set out very early on mm-hmm. the fight over the debt ceiling, mm-hmm. over a hundred days. Uh, he had a set, very good message discipline, almost like Reagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time he'd see a reporter, he'd say, I really want to get it done. So he was positive, mm-hmm. And I really want to talk with uh, Biden. Biden took the bait, had a position of no, no changes, no cuts. That's only 24 percent of the country. Yeah. Three out of four Americans thought Biden was wrong, mm-hmm. furthermore, the country wanted them to talk, and the longer Biden said i won 't negotiate, the weaker he got mm-hmm. so you know there there's some parallels, and I wrote uh, March the majority specifically uh as as a playbook I mean mm-hmm. this is how we did it this' is both how we won a majority. And this is how we negotiated with Clinton mm-hmm. to get welfare reform and tax cuts and the only four balanced budgets in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it really was a deliberate effort on our part.
2: Oh, that was great. So you're, you're sending plays into the huddle. You're like the We're Bill Belichick to. of politics. That's
5: Well, do you, I've, do you spy, I've been around long
2: enough. <laughs> do you spy on the other team as well? <laughs> Newt Gingrich is in studio. We're having a laugh. Well, when I look at. This current face-off that we have in Washington as it pertains to the 2024 election, I believe as it did in your era in the 90s, uh, the substantive side of the argument favors the GOP. So would you say in your opinion they would be wise to keep the focus on policy yes. as opposed to the personal?
5: Yes. Yeah, we have a project – called America's New Majority Project, which you can see at Mm -hmm. americasnewmajorityproject.com, started by Bernie Marcus in 2018. Mm -hmm. We do a tremendous amount of polling, Mm -hmm. a lot of focus groups. There's no question you can build a huge majority. For example, the right of parents to know what's going on in their school is 84%. Only 11% are opposed. Now, the, the Republicans in the House have already moved that bill. Every Democrat voted no, which is crazy. Uh, and a whole series of these things where I think the more issue oriented they are, mm-hmm. the more they offer solutions, the stronger they're going to be.
2: OK. The book is called March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican revolution. I'm in studio with Newt Gingrich. We're having a grown up talk about the book, about the current climate um, Let me ask you one thing about the book, and this is superficial. Uh, There were stories in here about Reagan and Tip O'Neill and H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton. uh, As having worked around all of them, who, which guy had the aura, like the star of
5: stars aura of all of them, that really stood out in the room the most? There's no question, Reagan. Was it Reagan? Reagan was personable. He was a movie actor. Mm -hmm. Um, He knew how to communicate. Mm -hmm. He knew what he believed. He was very patient and fighting for his beliefs. Um, uh, he's head and shoulders above anybody else I've ever worked with.
2: Wow, that's so cool. We were—I was on the road. I was in Davenport, Iowa, this weekend, but we stopped off in Dixon, uh, Reagan's oh. hometown. It was really rad. And to me, that you know, it was a seminal moment for me because I grew up in an America in the '80s that was an unapologetically pro-America. You right. know, is it weird to you to be living in this era? where one party is kind of selling America as the bad guy because the Democrats very well position us as like this oppressive country now. In fact, they're arguing with Tim Scott that that he can't succeed.
5: I mean, to watch the Democrats become an anti-American party, Mm -hmm. uh, to watch them basically favor anti-white racism, to watch them favor weird sexual behaviors, so you end up with a group of, of weird people who dress like nuns and, and basically smear the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And then you get the Dodgers to invite yeah. them to uh, – you, you, you think, this stuff has all gone off the rails. Yeah. This I- is crazy. And that's why you're seeing the reaction at Target, uh-huh. seeing the reaction at Bud Light. I mean, the average American is saying, enough.
2: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, when you go to a Dodgers game, uh, this is not what the manager meant when he called for a drag bunt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this guy, he's got jo- baseball good, jokes. Good what, job, I what's like What's going him. on here? That's- <laughs> We're talking to Nick Gingrich, uh, But I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And what I, what I think is happening in corporate America is they're being hijacked by marketing firms and boardrooms that prefer their better social credit score over appealing to the consumer. What I think Bud Light is doing is not getting it wrong, meaning they made a good faith effort and were out of touch with the needs of the consumer. I think they're trying to change the right. perception. Is that what you'd you clarify you,
5: know, you have to start with a simple idea. If, if Harvard and Princeton and Yale and places like that mm-hmm. have all sold out to the left, mm-hmm. then the people that are graduating who get hired by these big com- companies. Mm-hmm. So you know the CEO might still be semi-rational, but he's hired five or six people who are left-wing nuts. Yeah, there's that. You know, and they come in, and in their world, they talk to each other, and they go, you know, oh, I think the idea of having a transvestite uh, who's becoming a, a woman, uh-huh. but who's a man and who's a TikTok person, yeah. having that person on our Bud Light can will be terrific. You know, <laughs> and it's first of all, it's a sign that none of the people in the corporate boardroom drank Bud Light. Yep. Nor did they go to the bars where Bud Light was sold. Yep. Nor did they talk to people (laughs) who drank Bud Light, uh, all of whom said, are you just nuts? (laughs) Well,
2: that's part of the problem, too, is they get so much done through social pressure that – I don't doubt there was someone in that boardroom that might have been like, hey, this is crazy, but probably felt pressure not to speak out because where the Democrats have made most of their progress is by creating that gap between things people believe and things people are willing to say in public. Right. And in my lifetime, I've never seen a better, a bigger gap.
5: Yeah. I'm encouraged that it seems to be coming back around. But well, is that their whole playbook? Look, I mean, part of part of what made Trump so unique, and I mm-hmm. think what Tim Scott did brilliantly, This week on The View Mm -hmm. is he talked back at the level they were talking at. Yes. You know, and he was willing to take them head on. Tim Scott just took apart The View. He did. Uh, First of all, because it's it's a little much Uh for a bunch of liberals to say to somebody who's black. Yeah. You know, you don't understand being black. That's (laughs) great. You know, and I think Tim sort of thought – Maybe I am more authentically black than some white <laughs> than liberal. and Joy Behar? I mean,
2: she has worn a lot of black face. I don't want to deny her, her credentials. It's
5: crazy, right? It is
2: crazy. And, uh, and they're so comfortable taking these positions, which is what blows me away. But I think the whole Democratic ethos right now is they're selling you know, victimhood over victorhood. I mean, I think that right. would be the big divide right there. But it's so fascinating to me because the whole grift relies on them convincing minorities they can't do it on their own. Right. But they're using prosperous people to do it. Like Barack Obama's presidency for whatever we think of his policies should have been a page turning event in this country. Right. We should have settled it. All right, we had a black well, president.
5: I mean here here you got a guy who retires to his twenty nine million dollar <laughs> compound. Not not yeah. a house compound yeah. uh, who says, you know, America's really not good to African Americans. Well yeah. How would he know? <laughs> and, I think, and I think Michelle's still angry. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know.
2: She's mad. Well, one of the reasons she'll never become president, you know, they always say, like, oh, she's, you know, the dark, and the candidate, she could jump into the race at any minute and win this thing. It's actually true, and you want to know why, and I'll tell you this. It's because all those chubby little school kids like me that she banned French fries for are now yeah. old enough to vote. <laughs> there's, there's no way you can win this country without the French fry vote. There's just That's no right. way. Uh, you'd have to agree with that. Maybe it'll make the next chapter. The book is called March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. Uh, one more thing. Let's size up 2024 as it stands. I know the race can change. We haven't even started voting yet. But you've been pretty confident in Trump on the air. Uh, you... well,
5: I mean, first of all, I think Biden probably will not be the nominee. Wow. I just, I mean, you just watch him. Mm-hmm. You, you see him week after week. Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming less capable yep uh so and, and i think the prospect uh which which nikki haley did a great job of raising that you're really voting for kamala harris if you vote for biden um uh-huh. uh, i think you have to be really out of touch with reality mm-hmm. uh to think that kamala harris could serve as president no it's <laughs> i mean it's just it's just unbelievable i think on the republican side it's not complicated yeah Think of it as t- it's a two-lake competition. Okay. There's a big lake, which in the latest polls, 53%. Mm-hmm. That's Donald Trump. There's a smaller lake, which is about 40%. That's, ev- that's everybody who's not Trump. Yep. Okay. Unless somebody in the in the non-Trump lake mm-hmm. figures out how to drain the Trump lake, yeah. he wins. That's true. It's not complicated. He's Instead, what's world. happening, and I guarantee you, Every time somebody new announces, mm-hmm. they pop champagne down at Mar a Largo. <laughs> I mean, what they want, they want about 20 people in the non Trump lake chasing around each other. <laughs> and, and I think the biggest story this spring has been that Ron DeSantis, who's a, a great governor of Florida, I mean, d- mm-hmm. did an, has done an amazing job in Florida, he was not able to clear the field. Okay. And so, I mean, he wanted to be one of two. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's about to become one of many.
2: It's a lot, you I, know. I, I think I'm running at this point. I mean, everyone I know is why, running. Why okay. not? I, mean, <laughs> I think they're having a group on. That's right. If you just announced you save money. Uh, do you think there is a world? Because I don't doubt for some of these candidates, it's a vanity project. You know, people are out there, you know, trying to raise their relevance sure. and stuff like that. Do you think there is a world where DeSantis could clear the field a month from now or three months from now? Or do you think no. these people are in it?
5: I mean, I mean, he can clear the field if if he can focus. And offer a strong enough message, mm-hmm. and he can win Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, mm-hmm. and South Carolina. He'll oh, clear. You know, yeah. you, you clear the field by victory. <laughs> the old-fashioned way. But nobody, nobody now. I mean, I mean, why would a Tim look? Look at the attention Tim Scott's getting. Mm-hmm. Why would he quit? Yeah. In favor of somebody who hasn't— No, makes you know, it makes sense. know, Or why would Nikki Haley quit? Or why no. would Vice President Pence quit? I mean, in fact, if anything, you, I think you're going to have the governor of North Dakota, who's a billionaire, yep. who looked around and thought, why not me? Wow. <laughs> this is fun
2: now. That's <laughs> right. I used to
5: tell people the Senate has 100 people who comb the hair every morning of a future president. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So well said. There's so much more humor and wisdom in the book, "The March to the Majority: The Real Story of the Republican Revolution." It is available wherever fine books are sold. New Gingrich, great hangman. Thank
5: it's been, you. Been great being
2: with you, my man. We're back after this.
1: The show that's not afraid to tell you the truth.
7: Not only are you not a very nice person, you're also a slob.
1: Fox across America with Jimmy Fallon.
2: Boom, there it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We are, of course, doing the damn thing in New York right now. We're at Fox News headquarters. Tonight I'll be appearing on Jesse Waters' primetime in the 7 p.m. hour. And then at 11 o'clock tonight, you will see me on Gutfeld with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. But, of course, at the end of this week, if you follow my career, uh, you probably know I'm heading out to Mesa, Arizona. That is this Saturday night, June the 10th. Still a handful of tickets left, and joining us now on the line is a man who claims he's going to be there. Dennis, what's going on, man? Jimmy, how you doing, buddy? I'm I'm fired up to hang in Mesa. We doing
9: this? Oh man, I'll be there. I'll be fifth row, dead center, my friend. It's going to be excellent. I can't wait.
2: Oh good, I'll let security know. I kid. Yes, yes. I kid
9: I'm the guy. I'm the guy that looks like between Bruce Willis and The Rock, so you know Ooh, what to look for.
2: Dennis, good for you. Uh are, hey, no. how are you as an audience member? Are you a heckler or are you gonna get bombed and storm the stage? What do I have to deal with here?
9: No, I'll just probably wear some cool boots and uh just laugh my you know what off.
2: <laughs> Dude, it's been a good it's been a good show and it's been a rowdy tour and you're gonna enjoy Kennedy. Uh it's filthy and it's yeah. fabulous. It's a really good hang. Um yes. while we're in Mesa, is there a restaurant or anything we're supposed to hit?
9: I just recently moved here because I'm Dennis from Reno. Oh, get out of here. That. I didn't know. Yes, get sir. out of here. Dennis, this that's, is a big deal. That's, yeah, that's cool. I had to get out of there. My rickets and gingivitis started acting up, so I was like, I had to get to a warmer climate.
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I get it. The scurvy <laughs> came back to get you, did it? Okay. Uh, yes. Dennis, all right, so you're new. So we'll. I'll gather some recon, and then maybe I can help you out when I see you after the show.
9: Yeah, it's a good hang. I mean, there's a lot of good places downtown to hang out at. So, yeah, it's, it's a plethora of food.
2: Oh, a plethora. Very well said, El Guapo. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, All
9: right, well, get your it's game face be on. fun. I'm yep. really looking forward to it. It's going to be the event of the summer. You better believe it, girlfriend.
2: All right, I'll see you in Mesa. Be well, Dennis. There he goes, the great Dennis. He is coming out to our show Saturday night, the Laughs and Liberty Tour at the Mesa Arts Center. Fancy. If you can't make it to Mesa, June 24th. We'll be in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, July the 8th. We're in Holland, Michigan at the Holland Civic Center. Tudor Dixon's going to be there. She's joining me on Gutfeld tonight. She will be on the show along with myself, uh, Kat Timpf, and Brian Brenberg's on Gutfeld tonight as well. He's joining us in the next hour. Uh, But, yes, the stand-up dates, July 8th in Michigan, July the 29th. I am at the Grand Opera House in St. Mary's, Ohio. And then August the 25th, we're in Henderson, Nevada at the Green Valley Ranch. Nevada, if you will, and it's going to be a banger. There's a lot going on, man. we got a documentary coming out August the 16th. We're working on a book, a stand-up special. I'm hosting a new TV show uh, June the 17th. It's called Fox News Saturday Night. That'll be my debut on that show. It's going to have a different host every week till they name a permanent host, which better be me, by the way. I kid. Uh, but the point is, it's a really wild time to be me. And I deal you in on all of this craziness. Because you guys are the ones driving this little wave. You know, when you watch a Starbucks commercial, the guy bites a Starbucks and there's like a wave carries into the room and a marching band's playing and there's scantily clad women in bikinis.
3: Hubba, hubba.
2: Okay, good times. You guys have been the starburst that have provided the wave that I happen to ride in life right now. And it's pretty insane. It's pretty intense. It's a lot of fun. But you have to know that I appreciate the help, man. Uh, and I do like to stop the show from time to time and kill the vibe and just give you guys a little dose of you know wind beneath my wings so you realize how much I appreciate you. Uh, the people I don't appreciate are these race-baiting dirtbags on the left. I'm so mad about the Tim Scott thing, but in the next hour we also have to talk about this FBI whistleblower. OK, James Comer spoke on it yesterday. It's fascinating. I'm going to play the clips. But essentially what's going on is you've got like Jamie Raskin and John Kirby and guys on the left going, nah, nothing to see here. It's all a scam. Democrats are so full of crap. And I say that. Why? Because I'm going to play you Comer's clip and he lays out the fact That not only is this whistleblower somebody who's been paid by the FBI for the last 10 years, meaning this isn't some dirtbag we found on a park bench. It's a guy the FBI was paying themselves, number one. But number two, okay, this document, you know, they're telling us nothing to see here, is actually a part of an ongoing investigation into Joe Biden. Are you the big man, Joe? We're getting closer and closer to finding out. I'll give you the latest on that. When we come back, right here on the big, bad, one and only, high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America.
1: Live from everywhere USA,
2: it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. We've got a big one coming up in this hour. Brian Brenberg co-host of the Big Money Show, a guy I will be appearing on Gutfeld with tonight at 11 o'clock on the Fox News channel, going to join us in studio for an announcement from OPEC that they are going to cut oil production by a million barrels a day. That can't be good. No, it's not good. And why is it not good? Because we were energy independent when the president took over. Okay, now we are no longer which means we are susceptible to this volatile oil market in the Middle East. Biden sucks. He really does. We'll discuss it in this hour. 888-788-9910. So much to get to, including the humanitarian crisis at our southern border that is engaging our governors in a little bit of a peeing match. Gavin Newsom. Now taking shots at Ron DeSantis over DeSantis' decision to relocate migrants out to California. Never mind that California is supposed to be a sanctuary state populated with sanctuary cities. The truth is they were only saying that for branding. They just wanted to be like, we're good people out here. Nobody's illegal. They started taking that position under Trump. When illegal border crossings were cut by 80%, so it was a branding exercise. It wasn't a legitimate opportunity that they wanted to embrace, but lo and behold, the good news for the Democrats is they won the election. The bad news is they won the election. <laughs> 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 Now they've got to govern, okay? And they have no plan to secure the border, and they have no capacity to handle these migrants, okay? It's a real mess out there. But let me give you Newsome. Let me just start here, and we'll roll through everything else because there's just so much to get to. It's a busy day, kids. We're stacked. It's an embarrassment of radio riches, as the kids like to say. So there's so many different ways to come at this from, but I'll start here, okay? Gavin Newsom tweeting, on Monday, and saying it could have been a violation of California kidnapping laws that DeSantis is relocating migrants to places like San Francisco. Here is the tweet This isn't Martha's Vineyard. Kidnapping charges? He questions. And references the Sunshine State's migrant relocation initiative. So the insinuation being, this is kidnapping if you relocate migrants to my sanctuary state. Okay, the migrants, number one, are being asked where they want to go. Number two, kidnapping, is you grabbed somebody against their will and took them somewhere. That's not what's going on there. People are coming into our country illegally. Okay, they're doing so. Because the Democrats have left our southern border completely undeterred.
9: You have no idea how to defend a nation.
2: No, because they're incentivizing the trip by saying, hey, if you come here, we're going to relocate you to the city of your choice. Here's a couple of stimulus bucks. Here's a hotel room. Okay, now the hotels are so overrun. The mayor of New York, Eric Adams, okay, wants to declare a national state of emergency and pay residents in New York... To house illegal migrants. What the hell is the world coming to? Hey, I've got an idea. You know, we're living at a time where we've had literally hundreds of people on the terror watch list. Hundreds of people on the terror watch list have been apprehended at our southern border. Those are the ones we know about. Understand, okay, there are ones we don't know about. This could be a problem. Yes, they're in the country. I understand. If you're Eric Adams, you've got human trafficking, you've got drug cartels, you've got members of the terror watch list coming into the into the country. You're now going to tell people, "Hey, honey, tell the kids, you know, we're going to get bunk beds because we're going to have an illegal migrant who snuck into the country sleeping with us." That's stupid. Use your common sense. <laughs> like, we what are we? This is like a sitcom. We're, not, we're, not, we're making an extra $100. bucks. we are going to have an illegal migrant live right in the house. We don't know anything about the person. They just snuck into the country. They broke the law. What could possibly go wrong? Surely a person who broke the law isn't going to come into our house and break it again. Are you stupid or something? I mean, here's Eric Adams. This is phenomenal. It is. Man, this is so. I, the, the idea that this is a thing. This is an elected official makes this suggestion. Clip 29.
4: It is my vision. Uh, to take the next step to this, go to the faith-based locales and then move to uh, private residents. There are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. uh, They have locales. And if we can find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, we can take that $4.2 billion, 4.3 it may be now that we potentially have to spend and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday Houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations. And some of those corporations come from outside our city. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone
1: in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.
2: So the rent's out of control in New York City. We're not going to get it under control. No, we'll just let an illegal migrant live in your house. You can make a couple of bucks. That's the solve. Okay, crime's up. No, we're not going to get it down. We're not going to get it under control. But one of the criminals who broke the law by entering this country, they can live in your house now for a couple of extra bucks.
9: We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to.
2: I don't see how they could. Do you know how idiotic this is? Because there's a simple fix for all of it. Are you ready for it? Close the border. Close the border doesn't mean you're not welcome here. It doesn't mean we're discriminating against anybody. We've had people cross the border from 68 nations. Do you know how intellectually lazy it is to say this is like somehow racist towards Latinos? No ethnic group supports securing the southern border more than Latinos. Latinos who came to this country legally who waited in line and did things properly, are really bothered by the fact that 6 million people have just cut the line. Okay, do you understand the average asylum case now takes up to 10 years to get heard? So if you're someone legally trying to get into this country, they've just log jammed the courts by 10 years. You're the person trying to do it the right way. They're incentivizing cheating, assuming you're going to break the law and reside in a red state. Okay, understand, we've taken over 6 million people across this border under Biden. 6 million people. Nobody was saying a word about this problem until Republicans started relocating them. Okay? Every speech you hear about strained infrastructure and we don't have the resources. Were any of the Democrats saying that when these folks were just confined to Texas? The answer would be no. That's the point. Okay? What happens at the southern border, as far as the Democrats are concerned, number one, they told you for two years it wasn't happening. Okay, but as people started to get relocated, they started to show concern for infrastructure and resources that should have been expressed for the small towns in Texas that are being completely overrun. But here is KJP cons- you know, complaining about how it's dangerous to relocate these people, clip 30.
10: I've said it many times from here, repeatedly, uh, from from this podium, that uh, busing or flying migrants uh, around the country without any coordination with the federal government—we've talked about this, uh, state or local officials as well—is uh, dangerous and unacceptable. And we'll continue to be very, very clear about that. Uh, it is dangerous and unacceptable because you're putting people's lives at risk, uh, and it's dangerous and, ex- and unacceptable because you're actually putting a lot of pressure on these states and local uh, and local. Um, uh, local areas.
3: It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House.
2: Oh, it's dangerous and unacceptable to be re- relocating these migrants. Really? Well, then, how come Biden was relocating migrants overnight into places like New York and Florida? Oh,
7: wow.
2: The point is KJP, you are so full of sh. They're not mad that they're being relocated. They're mad that they're going to Democratic places. Bingo. Okay, they don't want the burden that their policies have caused.
1: He knows what he's talking about.
2: That's what you're watching here. They don't want to accept responsibility. It's why a guy like Gavin Newsom is yelling at Florida. Oh, how dare you relocate a couple of migrants to my sanctuary city of San Francisco? Has anyone seen San Francisco? Where Gavin Newsom was mayor before he became the governor of San Francisco, he declared his number one priority in governing California was going to be homelessness. Well, if you take a look out at the homeless pop- population in California, you say to yourself, You gotta do better than that. You gotta do better than that. California is a safari, it is sad, it is depressing. Okay, it's a human safari now. You drive around and you're like, oh, look at that one. Don't feed them. Oh, we're all up the window. It's getting closer. Okay, these poor people, they're zombies. They're living in their own filth on the sidewalks. But it's a real thing. San Francisco used to be one of the most iconic cities in the world. It's where they filmed Full House. Remember Full House? They're driving over the bridge. Yay, we're going to San Francisco. Let's run through the park. Can you imagine running to the park now? You're getting chased by an army of zombies. Seriously. You throw the football. You overthrow the kid. It's now, you know, standing next to some junkie with two needles in his arms. It's disgusting. And I have empathy for these people because there was a time in our lives where we'd be embarrassed by these policies, the damage they had caused, and we'd do more to get these people off the streets. What they do now is they just come up with new, more compassionate ways to describe them. They don't solve the problem. They're like, they're not homeless. They're unhoused. I go, dude, the problem isn't what you're calling them. The problem is that they don't have anywhere to live. That
3: is correct.
2: Like, do you understand? It's not what we're calling them. No, they're not homeless. They're free-range people. They're outdoorsmen. No, no, no. the problem is they have nowhere to live. They're addicted to drugs. We're not fighting the addictions anymore. What we're saying is, well, we just need safe injection sites. Shouldn't quit the drugs. We shouldn't get you off the drugs. No, no, we should just have you inject them in a place with clean needles. That's called a white flag. That's called surrender. Liberal cities have surrendered to the problems they've caused. It's no longer about solving the problems. It's about finding creative ways to rename them. And when people are still upset because the renaming didn't solve the problem, you blame Republicans for things they had nothing to do with. Nobody on the left should be okay with the leadership shown by their party. I'm not saying this is a Republican, I'm saying this is an American. Okay, if you go to these cities, as a lot of San Francisco's out there, New York is a San Francisco. Okay, Chicago is a San Francisco, Philadelphia is a San Francisco. They have the same issue. It's not just in the big cities. It's in the little cities, too. They created more empathy for the criminal than the cop in the summer of 2020. They were like, no, no, I'm telling you, the cops are a bigger threat to the streets than the criminals they're trying to protect us against. I got a bad feeling about this. That's what all of us said. We're like, this ain't going to end good. And it didn't end good. They drove a lot of good men and women from the force. Okay, crime rates have exploded. And the only thing every one of these liberal cities has in common now is that it's very hard to get a U-Haul out of them because people are fleeing, like in record numbers. If you go to California right now, you can't get a U-Haul. In some instances, they will pay you to drive a U-Haul into the state, meaning if you're moving one way, say you were moving from a red state to California, they would pay your move in a lot of instances because they're that desperate to get the U-Haul. Folks, that's not a sign of good governance by Gavin Newsom. So I understand he's not going to solve any of these problems and he's just going to try to run and boost his na- national name recognition by attacking guys like DeSantis? Okay, but if this was about helping, he'd change the policies. Now, we know he's not going to change the policies because they're just doubling and tripling down on all of them. But if he really wants to help, there's still an option. Gavin Newsom could just shut the f- up.
1: Listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
2: It is Fox Across America with your main man Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing on a Tuesday. Tuesday, that's going to end on the television tonight. I'll be on with Jesse Waters. I'll be on Gutfeld. Uh, Brian Brenberg, who's joining me on Godfell tonight, is going to join us here in studio in the next break. He's, of course, the host of The Big Money Show, and he's going to bring us inside this whole hullabaloo about OPEC cutting production. What does that ultimately mean? It means your gas prices are going to go back up. Biden sucks. A lot of people feel that way. It's a really bad, you know, the problem with energy right now, it's really quick, is the climate people don't understand the industry they're trying to legislate. OK, and they don't anyone who gets on a television and tells you, oh, we got to get rid of fossil fuels. OK, here's a one for you really quick. OK, if we get rid of fossil fuels, we can't power our electric cars. OK, I want you to think about that. When you plug in your electric car, what do you think you're plugging it into? Do you think you're plugging it into the wind? Oh, I've got maybe you're plugging it into the sun. No, no. Uh, none. Water. There's so much water out there. I mean, most of the wa- Earth's surface is what must be. <laughs> no, you're plugging it in to something that is powered by fossil fuels. OK, when you manufacture an electric car, 100 percent of the components are manufactured using fossil fuels.
5: That's true. That is true.
2: OK, when you look for the lithium ion in these thousand pound batteries, 75 percent of that infrastructure is owned by our biggest geopolitical foe in the world, China. So you are empowering their country, your enemy, getting stronger, your environment not getting any cleaner. And you know all the talk about slave labor and slavery and everything in between, which, of course, I'm very proud of the effort this nation has made to rid ourselves from the scourge of slavery. But you know who's still deploying slave labor? Every country that's mining for these elements. Every single one of them. Okay, so understand, green energy is not making the environment any cleaner and it's not making the world any more just. What it is doing is making liberal shysters very, very rich.
4: Money, 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 money,
2: money, money. And now it's making OPEC rich too because they're going to cut production and drive up the prices because all of you idiots think you're saving the world by donating to John Kerry. Pay up, suckers.
3: An old guy has dementia, can't lead us, and the country is screwed. Tells some big lies, barely speaks English, sniffs children, and their mom's hair, too, goes the wrong way. When he leaves his speeches, it's lost each day in the White House yard. All the damn say that we should re-elect him. How can he run when walking is hard? And jokey? Ke-
2: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Yes, Tom Petty said it best. Biden keeps falling. Uh, Poll numbers, everything falling except the gas prices. Joining us now to talk about that, the co-host of the Big Money Show, a show I allegedly appeared on yesterday. There's no (laughs) proof of that anywhere online. Uh, Brian Brenberg is here. Hey, man. You know, what's great about those parodies, just to
6: compliment you uh, that you need it, but not only – do you pick great songs, but you don't just rhyme the words. Like, you actually incorporate the song. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's seamless,
2: man. He keeps falling. I
6: I'm mean, it's just seamless. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you. I'm having a good time. We bill this as a morning show that overslept no one's hearing this in the morning. Okay, you hear it later in the day. Uh, but we're, why are we doing that? We're trying to cartoon the difficulties of life. There you go. Because one of them is the fact that OPEC just cut production by a million barrels a day. Is that a thing? Saudi Arabia cut production by a
6: million barrels a day because heaven forbid that we get a gas price that we can be happy about in the summertime. You know, imagine if you could go to the grocery store and buy your charcoal And think, it's not costing me an arm and a leg to get there. But no, no, we can't do that because Saudi Arabia says gas prices are too low. And guess what? America, which used to be able to say, no, no thanks, we're going to veto that and pump. Now we say... Darn, those Saudi Arabians. <laughs> man, dang it. What well, are we going to do about them? Well, at
2: least they bought one of our golf tours. That's <laughs> so right.
6: They, they won't get. give us any oil, but they'll give back a few golfers.
2: You know, that's what, we, that's what we've gotten out of this Best deal. we can do is Brooks Kopka. Right. <laughs> Best we can do. Sorry. Hey, I'd like some $3 gas. Best we can do. Best we, we can We'll give can you do. a
6: few strokes on your uh, <laughs> give on, me a Phil on Mickelson. back nine
2: or something. <laughs> He's here. yours. Best we can do is lefty. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And I, we've talked about this for years. We were energy independent. Now we're not which makes us more susceptible to vol- the volatility of things like this. But here's a conversation we don't have a lot on this show, but it should be had more often, okay? And I'm sure you talk about it on the big money show. Everybody on the left who says we can do this without fossil fuels is lying. Okay? We can't even you can't yeah. make these electric cars without fossil fuels. I don't know if you caught the story but Mr. Bean yeah, I love Mister Bean. <laughs> I know, but even he was like, He makes economic sense." Yeah, but right now, well, he's probably canceled now. That's right. They're probably he's calling done. him a turf. Can't watch him premises. on PBS or whatever. You no, know, he's, he's to watch long him. gone out of here. <laughs> but he essentially wrote an op-ed saying, "Hey, I'm a car enthusiast. I was actually an early adapter on electric cars, yeah. but after taking a closer look, they're not doing anything for the environment." <laughs> Upon further review, let's go to the tape. (laughs) Mr. Bean threw a challenge
6: flag. No, Ty doesn't even go to the runner on that one. Look, we just had a guy on the show today, and and he said something that makes – this makes sense. There there are a lot of people in the world actually who are very bullish on a greener future and cleaner Mm -hmm. technologies, and they know about this stuff. And and they can tell you, here, here are the great innovations, and it works. Every one of them who's not hitched to some ideological agenda will tell you, but the way we're going to get there is using our cleaner fossil fuels now to create the capital that can be invested in the stuff. Because guess what? China doesn't have that. China has to import all of its fossil fuel energy, which is why they want to get everybody on the stuff they control, and which yeah. is why they're going around the globe making friends with Saudi Arabia and Iran and trying to pull countries together in Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean. All of that Mm -hmm. is to compensate for the fact that they don't have what we have.
2: Is that kind of – I don't want to complicate this, but that is that kind of what the Belt and Road Initiative is kind of predicated on?
6: That's it. So they they need friends who can provide what they can't provide themselves, and they don't want to get it from us.
2: Yeah.
6: And they also know that if we wanted to, we could change the energy game just like we did five Uh years ago.
2: Imagine that.
6: So this is the absurdity of it. The guys who know the most about green Mm -hmm. will tell you – don't lay off fossil fuels mm-hmm. use it to get you there
2: imagine but instead we're shaping policy based on the people throwing cans of soup at paintings in museums <laughs> it's like no oh, well these guys want to shoot a cow because of the admissions we should let them run the energy sector and they're
6: all graduate students in the you know the graduate program of environmental science at some northeastern <laughs> university that's the bad part it's probably their senior project <laughs> you got to go throw paint at a paint at a painting to
2: pass this mass master's program. If you guys haven't defiled the Van Gogh, you're not actually a graduate. It's your capstone in these programs. (laughs) That's where we are. But what's amazing about it is when they go vandalize a modern art museum, the people at the modern art museum are actually on their side. So it's not like they're even winning any converts.
6: No, they let them in. They give them a cup of coffee. You could throw that on there, too, if the paint doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like this. uh, Our cultural institutions are all controlled by people, it seems, these days, that want to just destroy stuff. Yep. Like, they have no conception of building anything.
2: No, they just want to wreck it.
6: They just want to It's like wreck it Ralph <laughs> in museums. Only Wreck-It Ralph seemed like a decent guy, you yeah, know? No,
2: no, Well, in this administration, it's Wreck-It Renee. He has made some changes to himself <laughs> over the years. He's no longer Ralph. Uh, he's Ralphine. Wreck-It Ralphine, <laughs> not happy with the state of the country, She wants to wreck the place. No, it drives me crazy. We have have to laugh at it because that's my biggest issue is a lot of what's going on, um, it's effective for them, though. Like, And what I mean by that is the messaging war of social pressure campaigns, which is like, we're going to die if you don't do it our way. But we're actually going to die. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to fearmonger, but we'd be far more likely to die if we did do it their way, meaning without fossil fuels, people are going to die.
6: Yeah, because uh, you need an air conditioning to beat the heat in the summertime. And if you they do. don't let you buy air conditioners – I mean there's actually studies on this. I mean there, there, are, there are people who, who die from the lack of these basic tools that mm-hmm. innovation and in fossil fuels give us – there would be if we went the other direction and did the whole thing the green way.
2: Imagine. That's so stupid. Brian... I mean,
6: it, it, it's, it's like uh, economics is the most boring subject in the world. But no. the one thing it teaches you to think about is what's actually going to happen when we do this. You yeah. know, you put like with the story today is the vending machines for drugs in New York City. Yeah, like that. My brother Mike sent me that. I'm like, that's a thing. So and it's you... like, you know, economists would just say, well, you know what? I wonder what might actually happen uh-huh. if we do that instead of like, well, I could, t- here's what we're hoping will happen. Yeah. This is the compassionate response. You know, Congress is like, yeah, but have you been to that street corner? Did you know what's going to happen when they punch their numbers in there? <laughs> Let's... I, we just, just got to have that kind of thinking. We, we can't uh-huh. thrive. You know, human humanity can't thrive without thinking that says, Gee, I wonder what's actually going to happen. We've,
2: we've got to move the conversation beyond emotions, and that's the problem. Is yes. Right now, it's, our politics are so reductive. And when it comes to the climate, there's two elements at play. Okay, One, there's people getting really, really rich off climate change. My gosh. But they're appealing to people on the other side who are like arrested development wannabe Marvel superheroes who are being told they're saving the planet. Put on your cape. We're saving the planet. We'll give you... <laughs> good feelings
6: while the government gives us all your money like that's the trade and they're like i got a (laughs) t-shirt that says go climb it and that guy
2: is living in a mansion in idaho or john Kerry is like magneto he's like some type of comic book hero or something like that and he's getting marvel money and he's he's telling you to quit plastic as he injects it into his face (laughs) where's the justice it ain't right. <laughs> Brian Brenberg's here. So my brother Mike sent me this, right? The crack pipes and machine thing. Now, my only short-term response to this is, you know, you could argue that crack is better for you than most of the things I've been eating out of vending machines <laughs> over the years. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> point. I don't know that it's a, I know that's correct, but it's close. Uh, but what I, and I spoke about this earlier, because we're talking about San Francisco and how liberal policies have had an adverse effect on cities. It's so weird that we're now just, it, instead of trying to solve problems, we're either, A, just renaming them, you know, unhoused right. is now homeless people, mm-hmm. or we're, B, just trying to, in a weird way, like, accept them. Like, crack pipes and vending machines is not just say no. No, I mean,
6: it's, it's uh, well, we subsidize it because yeah. you get these things free. You walk up, to, as I understand, you walk up and you type your yeah, zip code, code in. Yeah. So, you know, if you're somewhat enterprising, what you'd probably do is walk up, Type your zip code in,
2: take that's, all of them out. That's the point you're making before I cut you off, then. You were saying, as an economist, you got to look at where this is going to go. Yeah. So,
6: so, so somebody get, takes all this stuff out and then sells them, you know, yeah. blocked down for, you know, they make a little bit of money off it. And in the meantime, taxpayers are out all this money. Yeah. And, and the thing is, we just, yeah, we just rename things. Like we've, yeah. we've, we're at this point where we're so cynical. It's the use and abuse of, uh, of, of language. I mean, yeah. It's like Orwell stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Right? The eat. unhoused. Yeah, that's right. What does that right. mean? The, the issue for that guy is not what you're calling him. It's, that, it's where he's living.
6: Shrink. <laughs> we are experiencing a shrink problem with yeah. this store. It's, oh, you mean people are ripping
2: you off every day? Yeah, and yeah. oh, no, a shrink. No, no, it's we call it shrink now, shrinkage. and it's a loss. No, I, I don't. I don't want to throw that at anybody. No, walking no. and it's shrilling. Shrinkage is what happens when the women's swimming team jumps in the <laughs> pool nowadays. It's a weird time to be alive. I don't know what to tell you, folks. I'm just trying to make it tolerable for you. It ain't pretty. Uh, Brian Bremberg is here. We're having a grown up talk about all things. I mean, I literally do mean all things. Can I just cut yeah. in for a second? Yep. You
6: were talking about Racket Ralph. Who was your guest earlier today that completely destroyed this set of Is
2: headphones? that Newt Gingrich? I, I don't it, know that he used that them. Was that Newt? Did Newt use them? Maybe Uncle Newt win him? Either Newt or Campano smashed those headphones. I mean, what kind of conversation
6: were you having in M- here? Nude, this, it is, got pretty this is sheer up. rage. N- <laughs> these, these
2: headphones, like, they're not salvageable. You know, all those nice things Newt said at the end of the interview apparently didn't mean any of them. He, he, <laughs> he is a good politician. He trashed the headphones. Well, you talk about where this is going to go. The question you ask yourself as an economist, okay? I can tell you not as an economist, but I have a good indication of where it's going to go if Eric Adams follows through on the plan to let people house illegal migrants in their homes for money. Could you imagine saying to the family, (laughs) like, hey, you guys are going to move over this dude just snuck into the country. He's (laughs) staying with us now. Like, but again, we're not solving the economic realities of the people in Manhattan. We're now just saying, well, no, but we can help you with them by taking on some of this other problem we've created. I I mean,
6: I I don't know how much information I had to turn over to rent the stinking apartment that we live in here, but I'm pretty sure that it's everything about me that you'd need to steal my identity 10 times over. Yeah, And so, yeah. So now I'm thinking I got a neighbor. Maybe they've been in the apartment for a long time. They got an empty room. Who's moving in with them and, and what exactly yeah. do you
2: have to show to get in? Think I about, mean, think about this, how you can't evict someone nowadays. They can, owe yes! you three, they can owe you three years of rent. You can't throw them out of the house. But now imagine the government subsidized yes. illegal migrant. How yes. are you ever getting? So say you want to sell it. If you owned it and you wanted to leave, that's going to hold up the sale because you can't get them out. Never. It's no. a
6: hostage situation. But here's the other piece. I don't know how much time. Here's yeah, the man. other piece of this. Um what they're doing is creating these economic linkages that are going to become permanent. So they're, they're, it's, the hotels now have an economic dependency. Churches, they're mm-hmm. going to do this in churches, right? Mm-hmm. Economic dependency. And they're going to do it with individuals. And the, and the point is those are going to become lobbies yep. who are not going to want to see this turned around.
2: Yeah, because there's money in it. And that's the part that's so scary is like the government now, the, the radical expansion of our government, it's, it's now everywhere. OK, it, the government used to expand, but it used to feel like it remained in certain sectors. Yeah. Now it's just in everything you do. It's kind of crazy.
6: They're, they're, they're putting people in churches and they're giving people roommates Think who just it. came across the border. You
2: imagine, like, I've been waiting in line for two hours to have a confession heard, which is about as long as it takes for the confession to be heard, by the way. <laughs> like, you're really thinking to yourself, like, wow, who's in there? He must have did something yeah. good. <laughs> then you find out there's not even a confession. That, it's just someone's apartment now. Right. It's not, no, no, he's not it's hearing confessions. He's not hearing confessions. Like, Come wow, this is crazy. On. But the part of it that this is what I always appeal to on the show. I always say, OK, that. It's really crazy that, like, politicians and the people running the country now are so brazenly not even considering our words as – we're their employers. We elect people. We send them to Washington. There's never been a more open defiance of the employers than the, what Washington shows people every day. They're yeah. just doing whatever the hell they want.
6: It is so true. The other day when the press are shouting at Biden, they mm-hmm. want to ask 100,000 questions, and and – like the look on his face of, I don't, I don't have to talk to yeah, you. I don't, I don't work but, for these people. Did you stop us? You didn't hire me. <laughs> the person who writes my speeches hired me. Yeah, you know, it's like, I don't. They just
2: don't care the the government is in the movie slap there's a villain uh, for those of you listening along called ogie oglethorpe who's a he's a high sticker he's a dirty player, but he skates onto the ice with a middle finger in either direction <laughs> and that's the government now. They just skate onto the ice and give everybody the finger and we're like, well what's going on here they don't care because we're so hyper partisan now, yeah people vote country uh party over country they just do it's, well, and they are they put together this they they, they sideline
6: democracy through the mm. the bureaucratic state basically That's they spent true. decades doing this and now they're they're like yeah we're going to change the policy for the entire economy we never even have to vote on it because yeah. all our people staff all the agencies they're going to write all the rules and you guys will never figure it out.
2: It's crazy. It is. It's all that, That's
6: actually what's happening. you got to turn that around if you're going to get change. you got to
2: actually vote on stuff. you got to vote, guys. you got to vote. And you don't vote because you hate the other side. you got to do this on a person-by-person per- basis. And we got to get people in there that care and follow through. But the truth is I've spent a fair amount of time in Washington in the last few months. I don't know what's in Washington. There's a lot of people that, you know, want to be in Hollywood. There's a lot of people that are in the uniparty, which is the two parties that are really just one party. And it's like what I found in my travels is my estimate is about 10 percent of these people are like trying to change the country for the better. The other 90 percent are just trying to get booked on TV and sell a book in the process.
6: And probably renovate a room in their house. Right. Because it's (laughs) just like like what what leafy suburb do I live in here with my Beamer? (laughs) uh, That's what D.C. is. It's just like a car show at this point.
2: (laughs) It's. I'm telling you, man, Brian Bremberg. Uh, you come here, you know, to boost our spirits. Uh, instead, we're organizing a militia, and that's fine. <laughs> the point is, it's always productive. I'll see everybody. I'll see everybody down at the rallying point after this.
6: <laughs> You're
2: listening to the most
1: relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox across America with Jimmy Fallon.
2: It is Fox across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth. No show would be complete without some words of wisdom from Reese out in Sheridan, Wyoming. Yo, Reese, mega howdy-dittos to you, my friend. How are you, my man? Trying to hold this country together. We're heading out to Arizona this weekend. What's the word in Wyoming? What are we going to see when we pass?
8: Well, we're just waiting for you to get here. Arizona's a little out of the or Wyoming's a little out of the way to get back to Arizona, but I had uh, a question for you. Give it to me. You
2: know, no knowing that Tim Scott just announced his campaign, Mm -hmm. what would your thoughts be on a Ron DeSantis Tim Scott ticket? Ron DeSantis being on the top. And Mm -hmm. how cool was it for his wife Mm -hmm. to be wearing like Florida is where woke comes to, you know. You dying, like that one, so to speak, or whatever I it said it. Wh- Reece, whatever, Reese. You're just checking out the women now. Don't butter me up with all this jargon. Hi, <laughs> kid, <laughs> Reese. You're a good egg. I'm gonna lose you. I will uh, comment on your take as we go off the air. A Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis combination probably unbeatable. But if you look at what the Democrats are running. I, I, pretty much anything's unbeatable at this point. We just got to get somebody out there and accept the nomination. Good night.
1: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.